Welcome to the Warrior School Podcast, the podcast for women who train. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. I believe the quality of our cycles determines the quality of our training and lives. And I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles, and training with them is the future of women's training. Each week on the podcast, myself and other professionals will talk about how to know your cycle, eat to support your physiology and training, and how to train smart so you can finally get the results that you want in your training. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 65. And my guest today oozes passion, sensuality, uh, enthusiasm for what she does. We're talking about fertility awareness and cervix portrait parties with Chloe. Chloe is a holistic reproductive health practitioner and fertility awareness educator. And this girl is on a mission to break the taboo around the menstrual cycle and to help guide women on their journey to body literacy. And this is where our conversation starts today. We start by talking about one of my favorite topics, body literacy. What is body literacy? How we can work towards becoming more body literate and why that's really important. And one of the ways that we can do this is through fertility awareness method. So we chat about what the method is, but we swing a hard left. And really look at FAM uh, as a practice and not a method. So Chloe shares how it all started for her, how she became a fertility awareness educator. And then we really dive into what this practice looks like and why it's really important to help us become more body literate. She gives us two things that we can do today to start learning more about our body and our cycle. And one of those things involves toilet paper. We also talk about her cervix portrait parties, which is the coolest party I think I've ever heard of. And we talk about so much more. She is a gem of a human who just radiates this energy. I could talk to her for hours. I will pop all her links in the show notes. So her website, her Instagram, if you don't follow her, you need to follow her. Uh, And then I'll pop the link to her invitation to the cervix portrait party. And I believe that there are a few spots left for her March parties. Okay, I really hope you enjoy this episode on fertility awareness and body literacy with Chloe. Yeah, which is super cool, which is something I would love to talk about today because I know that's a big part of your work is... Uh, teaching like preteens or parents to like start this conversation and to learn about this different way that they're, you know, not exposed to. So, and that's part of your work for the period positivity workshops, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, it's, gosh, I've been, I just wrote a post on this, so I should know. I've been doing FAM, fertility awareness myself for nine years, and I've been teaching it for four And what I've discovered um, is just that the 
fertility awareness method as a form of birth control or even using the practice of fertility awareness to conceive, it's just the cherry on the top. Like the reason why fertility awareness is so amazing is the body literacy aspect of it. And that's why I'm finding I'm leaning more and more always into the space of teaching for body literacy and just for body awareness. And that's why I love the cervix portrait party. And so, you know, sometimes people are ask me, why would you take a picture of your cervix? I'm like, if you're asking, it's not for you. Yeah. <laughs> Move out of the way. You're blocking the door. So <laughs> Let all the other cervixes come on in. Yeah. Exactly. And so just bringing more awareness and same thing with the teens and with, and with my period positivity workshop. I mean, I've been, I've ran it a few times now in person and now online. And mostly I am seeing people who are as young as seven and to 10 showing up. And you better believe I'm not having a contraceptive conversation with these people yet, right? We're just talking about um, how amazing the menstrual cycle is and how cool it is to have a period because no one's telling that to 10 year olds, you know? So that's where it starts. And then the evolution of it is what's so beautiful because then from there, they understand their cycle, not just because it's so cool, right? That's what I'm hoping they think anyway. Yeah. But then they also learn about their cycle, you know, what's normal for them and what's not. And then eventually they'll understand, you know, to use the fertility or infertility aspect, you know, as a way to avoid pregnancy if they choose, or they'll at least have all of this understanding about their body and themselves when they go to make an informed choice about what contraceptive they would like to use. And a lot of people think I'm anti-pill, but I'm not. Like, I understand that there are reasons why people would use hormonal birth control and all the power to you. My, my MO is just that people are making more informed choice. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to start on this piece of body literacy. Uh, So could you talk a little bit about that? Like how you start to describe this concept to, it could be preteens, teens, even women. You know, I work with women that have been disconnected from their body for years, decades. And this whole concept of listening and allowing and receiving and connecting to themselves is really foreign. They don't have any body literacy. Mm-hmm. Body literacy is really just the knowledge you gain from understanding, you know, the knowledge. Well, we say that body literacy is the knowledge you gain from a fertility awareness practice. So being um, body literate is actually a term from Laura Wurschler is where we get that term from. And fertility awareness is the practice of understanding and paying attention to your signs of fertility. And it's funny because even when I say I'm a fertility awareness practitioner, immediately people are like, oh yeah, no, no. Like, don't say that F word around me. I don't want to, you know, get pregnant. I'm like, okay. So (laughs) as soon as they hear the word fertility, they immediately think that I'm helping people achieve pregnancy, which some of people I am, but there's just, it's just such a there's just so much benefit to understanding and being aware of your fertility, which is exactly, you know, it's like, it's right there on the title. Um, There's so much benefit to it. And so the body literacy is part of the benefit and it's, it's literate. Like you're able to read your body. Right. Um, And that could be anything from understanding how your moods change through your cycle and how that, you know, affects your day to day and affects your life. Just even with the awareness that we're not the same every single day. Right. So, I mean, I could talk about this forever, but. 
Yeah. Keep going (laughs) the way, like, so when you talk about it and, and when you talk about fertility awareness method, it's like this umbrella, you have an umbrella and then you have all of these things underneath that you're supporting someone to understand. Uh, And body literacy is part of that. And I'm sure there's many, many different parts. So uh, yeah, let's start with, okay. So body literacy is trying to connect with your body and understand the messages and, you know, what your body is telling you, the state of your body and fertility awareness is a, and I really like what you say. It's not like a, a protocol or a method or it's a practice. Uh, and so I would love if you could start talking about that, like fertility awareness as a practice. What is it? Uh, what's involved? And then how that builds that body, body literacy. Yeah. And I'm glad that you point that out because that is super important uh, a distinguish to make especially when I'm talking to the younger crowds and to the mothers and that the fertility awareness method is the method of birth control that you can use to avoid, to avoid pregnancy by understanding your times of fertility and infertility. In fact, the fertility awareness method relies on abstaining during your fertile time. So according to me, I know there are some educators who won't agree with me, but according to me, if you are using condoms, for example, or any kind of a barrier method during your fertile time, you're not actually even using FAM. That's not the fertility awareness method. Fertility awareness method is abstaining during that time. If you're using condoms, then you are using a fertility awareness practice in combination with a barrier method. So you're actually relying on the condom or the barrier method to prevent pregnancy. Whereas the fertility awareness practice itself, that's just the, that's just the ritual we do on a daily basis of paying attention to our signs of fertility. And the practice involves paying attention to your cervical mucus patterns. It involves taking your temperature every morning. It involves um, checking your cervical position and then writing this down at the end of the night. And then what you do with this information well, welcome to the rabbit hole of fertility awareness. Like, I mean, it, it starts with understanding your times of fertility and fertility, but then the next thing you know, you're unpacking underlying endocrine disorders, you're unpacking, you know, the phases of your cycle and how you change, you're understanding, you know, your period health and what that means for your overall health. You are having a better relationship and communication with your partner. You are, you know, finding your boundaries and saying yes and saying no. Like it's, it's just, and then it just unravels, right? But so next thing you know, you're paying attention to your bowel movements and it's, yeah, it's, it's great. But really the practice itself, it can be as simple as paying attention to your toilet paper. So sometimes when I start talking about fertility awareness, I get super excited and I'm kind of like, you know, that faucet and you just turn me on and then it's like, okay, 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 I'm drowning. So I have to sometimes remember to like dial back um, because it can be, it, it, it can be super thorough and comprehensive and, and I don't want to say the word complicated, but it can involve a lot of things, but it could also be as simple as consciously wiping because you're already using toilet paper when you go to the bathroom, right? So you're just simply going to take that extra step to wipe even before you go to the bathroom and pay attention to what's showing up on your toilet paper. And that's how it starts. Yeah. And, and I love that. And I've seen a few of, uh, 
your copy or content pieces on that. Uh, just saying that that's where you could just start is, you know, we go to the toilet multiple times a day and just using that moment, uh, which is so beautiful. It's this, this, you're just pausing and you're allowing, yeah, this curiosity and to check in with one simple thing. So what are they looking for when they do that? Mm-hmm. So simply the, they're observing for the presence or absence of cervical mucus. So when we see cervical mucus, we're fertile. And generally speaking, when you don't see cervical mucus, you're not fertile. There's a few other rules and guidance, but we don't need to get into that right now. But essentially that's what you're looking for. And cervical mucus is this wonderful nectar of fertility that I love to post pictures of on Instagram. And I love to encourage people to pay attention to their cervical mucus. Um, And it comes from the cervix. So the cervix is the gate between the vagina and the uterus. And under the influence of ovarian hormones, sometimes the gate is open, which allows cervical mucus to be visible on our toilet paper. And sometimes the gate is closed, which uh, causes a plug and we can't see anything on our toilet paper. And even just with this simple, simple practice of doing every single time you go to the bathroom, it's incredible of how much you can Um, just even learn about yourself and with your own feelings. Like when I'm teaching someone and I tell them that they have to pick it up and stretch it, they're like, and just the look in their face and they're like, you want me to do what? You know, a month from now, that same person is, you know, collecting their menstrual blood, mixing it with water and giving it to their plants. So just the shift from how we even feel about our own bodies and bodily fluids. And I mean, I love to share short stories. Like I have story after story after story of like a woman who thought every time she saw her cervical mucus, it was a yeast infection. So she kept self-diagnosing herself with this yeast infection and, you know, taking certain medications and whatnot. And, and no, cervical mucus is that natural, you know, totally normal part of being someone who has a menstrual cycle. And yeah, so just that awareness, that's where it starts. Yeah. So you would start there and then where would you go from there? Okay. So now you're understanding your cervical mucus patterns, um, writing it down at the end of the day. Then if you want to have a secondary sign, you can start adding your temperature. So cervical mucus is helpful even alone because you can know when you entered and when you've exited your fertile time. You can also confirm if you're ovulating with cervical mucus and oh my gosh, don't even get me started about the importance of ovulation. Um, and you can also begin to uh, identify different phases in your cycle with your cervical mucus patterns. And you can understand you know, your health, your hormonal health, your overall health through your cervical mucus patterns. So that's why it's so fantastic. But okay, now you're leveling up. You want to confirm ovulation with a temperature shift. So how temperature works is under the same influence of these ovarian hormones, estrogen and progesterone, the temperature will shift ever so slightly, but obviously on a chart after you ovulate. So before ovulation, when estrogen levels are high, your temperature will be relatively low. It may oscillate. It might not going to be the same every single day, but eventually once you ovulate, Um, and the egg leaves the ovary and your follicle transforms into the corpus luteum. The corpus luteum releases progesterone, which hikes up your temperature. And that's how we can confirm with a temperature that shifts and remains high until you get your period. That's how someone confirms that they have ovulated. And again, depending on how you take your temperature, there are so many ways and so many, you know, so many 
so many offerings now and things that you can buy for temp taking, but it can really just be as simple as buying, you know, a cheap digital thermometer from your pharmacy or I'm a big proponent of glass thermometers. Um, or you could have like the temp drop or, you know, fancy dancy digital thermometers, but uh, essentially you don't have to, you don't have to spend that much money, but depending on how you do take it, you can even understand your thyroid health through your temperatures. You can understand um, some food sensitivities or even nutrient deficiencies through your temperature. So it's feeding a lot of birds with one stone, with one scone, excuse me. Yay. <laughs> Yeah. And they're looking for that rise, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And what happens if they're not seeing a rise? You're finding that you're not seeing a temperature shift. The first thing I would do is maybe try a different thermometer or talk to somebody like myself about your temp taking just to make sure that you're doing it right. Cause I wouldn't want anyone to jump to conclusions and say like, Oh no, I don't see anything. This means I'm not ovulating. So first kind of get your ducks in a row and make sure you're doing everything the right way. And then if still you find that you're not getting a temperature shift, then yeah, then you wouldn't be ovulating. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you say that because we come back to this concept of a practice, mm -hmm. you know, just because we see something maybe one day we need to, we need to be seeing patterns and we need to be curious and asking questions and, and leaning into someone who, you know, has, can, can help support us and educate us. So when I'm working with all these women and they start to get curious around the cycle, uh, I just start them with like paying attention to the day that they're on. <laughs> and that's where we start. And then I lead them into FAM because they, they really want to lean into using an app, but an app doesn't tell us all of these things that, you know, when we think of the cycle, we, we so much put so much emphasis on the bleed, but like you said, don't even get you started on ovulation and like why, why it's key. It's, it's, we should really rename it the ovulatory cycle. Well, it's funny that you say that, um, menstrual cycle is actually a misnomer and doesn't, is doesn't encompass fully encompass the amazing orchestra like that happens in, um, in a woman and people with periods bodies. So for example, the menstrual cycle really just refers to the events that are happening in the uterus. The ovarian cycle refers to the events that are happening in the ovary, which include ovulation. And then you have a hormonal cycle, which is how your estrogen and progesterone change throughout the cycle and impact your whole body. And that's why people who are disrupting that cycle with hormonal birth control have overall effects. So their hair is falling out, their skin, they're having trouble with their skin. They have osteoporosis and poor bones. They have mood issues, right? They feel like they have brain fog. They sort of just affects affects their libido, affects their clitoral size, like their clitoris, size of their clitoris. Like, oh my gosh. So that's a whole other thing I could get into. But um, so all of those three cycles together, the menstrual cycle, the ovarian cycle, and the hormonal cycle make up the female reproductive cycle. That would, really would be the proper name for it. And yes, ovulation is the main event, even though the menstrual phase, right? When we're bleeding, that's just the most obvious part, right? But ovulation is also can also be obvious. It's just a little bit more subtler. So you just have to pay closer attention. Yeah. And then I that's where that's where this work comes in is supporting people to to look for those signs. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah. Which is, which is uh, like, I, I love it. And it's the same with when I work with women with training, it's, you know, we start to track the training and now I don't care about the sets or the reps or the weights, like the obvious things that people look for. It's all of these other questions. Like, what did you notice? You know, how did you feel? What did training teach you today? And that's what I really love about this, um, this practice is the, the noticing and the curiosity around looking for these, you know, really important, but sometimes subtle little signs. I'm glad that you bring that up because one of the things I always love to talk about is the big red rule. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but yes, it's, I have. Um, yeah. <laughs> Alexandra Pope and Johnny Wurlitzer um, say it and I just love it. And it's that no matter what I say, what your experience is trumps anything I say, right? And especially when it comes to getting to know yourself and even exercise, like, you know, I might say that men the menstrual phase is a fantastic time to rest and to read a book and to journal and to chill out. And then all of a sudden you have a marathon runner who was like free bleeding in her race. I'm not going to be the one to tell that woman that she needs to sit her butt down. No. Right. So we, so it's about getting to know yourself and that's, that's the ice cream. Like that's it. That's the body literacy is getting to know yourself and what works for you. You know, whether it's how you exercise in each phase of your cycle, how you eat, in the different phases of your cycle, you know, how you take care of yourself. So yes, I'm glad that you said that. It's about noticing for yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's something that comes up so much in, in my work. And often we want to know like the right way or, or the answer or, yeah, I like how you say with the cycle, you know, when I talk about training with the cycle, it's your experience and your cycle is very different to my experience in my cycle. And, you know, I've had some of my best training days on day 26 and day one, when maybe we aren't meant to be at our strongest, but if, you know, my nervous system's good and I've nourished my body and I've slept well and I feel really good, I enter my practice and I check in with my body and I just listen to it. And I built so much trust with it that I trust what it's going to tell me. And then like, I can go for it. And then at the same time, I've had some of my hardest days on day, like 14 or 15 or 16, when we're meant to feel, you know, at our strongest or, uh, you know, have lots of energy, but there's so many other factors in, in, in that <laughs> and why, yeah, why it can be harder on one day or one week than, than the other. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So when you're, when you're doing your uh, period positivity workshops and you're working with like preteens and teens, uh, where are you starting around, around this with them? We draw a photo of the vulva. We draw a picture of the vulva. That's where we start. And the best part is I don't even tell them what they're drawing until the end. Oh, so cool. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful lesson in how the different they all look. And I think that that's where it starts. It starts, you know, externally on our body and what we can actually see and touch and, and, you know, not being afraid of that part of ourselves as well. So that's where we start. And then from there, we go on to learn about the anatomy and physiology of the menstrual cycle. I introduce red flow versus white flow. So that's how I refer to the men. And that is not, I cannot take credit for that. That's um, Dr. Nora Pope, who's also a fam educator. I, I took that from, so credit to her. Uh, that's how you, I refer to menstruation versus um, cervical mucus that you see in ovulation. And then we talk about different period products. 
right? And, you know, the, the benefits of using reusable chemical-free period products. We talk about um, the emotional changes through the cycle. And then I introduce how you can track it, right? And, you know, it's funny because I always, I, I love the cervix and cervical mucus. Like there's never, anyone who knows me knows that. Um, but I was glad that you even brought up that even before, even before paying attention to your cervical mucus, you can start by simply paying attention to your period. Absolutely. And often that is where the preteens will start, right? Like I just found out that one of my nieces got her first period last week. So the first thing I did is I went and bought her a, a journal with a calendar in it, right? So here, write down when you got your period and then write down the next one. And how did you feel? And what happened? And that, that is, that is, you know, where we can start. Period apps, you have to be careful, right? Because what they do is they take that information and they try to predict when you'll be fertile. But, you know, we're not robots and we don't show up the same way in each cycle. So you can't rely on predictions. But just starting with paying attention to your period is a fantastic way to start. And, you know, honestly, one of the most remarkable things about the period positivity workshop isn't even what happens during the class, it's what happens after. And I've had so many moms reach out to me and say, wow what a car ride home, because that just opened the door to the communication, the lines of communication and what, you know, the child was more comfortable talking about with the parent. And, you know, they said to me, Chloe, I just, I didn't even know how to start the conversation. And now you've given us all of these words and, and yeah, so it's, it's wonderful because it's not one conversation and it's not one class and it's not one workshop. I'm 33 in a month and I'm still <laughs> learning about myself and my cycle. It's still throwing curveballs at me. Yeah. Right. So, and that's, and that's again, where it comes back to the noticing and the body literacy. Yeah. And I, I love this piece of your work of the art of talking about it mm. because it is, you know, it, people, it's uncomfortable. People don't know what to say, especially parents, you know, if they were never raised to talk about it, they, they don't have this art of conversation. So yeah, like you said, it's, it's not just so much about the education in it, but it's the, the talking about it, you know, giving them language and dialogue and maybe questions to ask and just spiking their curiosity that it's even okay to talk about it, um, which is, yeah, which is beautiful. And when you talk about this workshop, it's, and I know a lot of the work is for the parents and the preteens, but it's, it's, it's for all, all women, even, you know, the women that I work with, they have never looked at the art of talking about it. They've never probably drawn uh, any part of the anatomy um, you know, and gone through these stages uh, that you just spoke about in the workshop. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it just amazes me. If I think about my own history and I, when I first started using, when I first started menstruating, um, when I would put a tampon in and I'd have to pee, I would take the tampon out before I would pee because I didn't know there were two holes. I didn't know there was a vagina and a urethra. Like, and that went on for a lot longer than I'd like to admit. And even when I first started having my period, I was, I think I was a lot, I was late, a lot later too. I think I was like 15 or 16 years old and you know, the blood came and then it continued coming and it lasted for like five days. And I thought, what? So this goes on for almost a week for the rest of my life. So like, obviously nobody told me about menopause either. And yeah. it's just, it, yeah, the, um, 
Yeah, there's a lot of education. And what I found in my practice is that I see mostly, you know, people in their 20s and their 30s and every single person says to me, I wish I would have known this sooner. So, you know, yeah. finally I just started putting together and the period positivity workshop itself was born because a mother came to me and asked me if I would run one um, and that she had rented the hall. She got her friends together. They brought, you know, their children together and she's like, everything is ready. I just need you to show up. So I'm like, oh, perfect. Totally. And then, and then I just kept having it because it was so awesome. Oh, that is, that is such a cool story. And I, yeah, I hear it so often. I wish we were taught this in school, <laughs> um, but to do it now and to expose, yeah, it's just to create the conversation. I did some work for, I, it's called the Butterfly Foundation in Australia and they do workshops and, uh, and talks around like body image and self-esteem and eating disorders. And it's just really creating the conversation to know that, you know, even from grade three to grade 12, that it's okay to talk about these things, that we can have this conversation. We have the language, we have the dialogue, and then we start really understanding what's going on with our actual body. Well, in Australia, you have Demi, who I absolutely love and adore. And she runs her Bright Girl Health and she's yeah. just fantastic um, going to schools and teaching all about um, periods and the cycle. And mm-hmm. I she think she was that. a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, so then she saw this big gap there around, you know, all of these girls don't know what's going on and they have all these questions, but there's so much shame and fear and judgment around it. Uh, and I guess it's very similar to, to women in their 20s or 30s that maybe they have been on birth control for a really long time and they, and they have this feeling or they're starting to get interested in maybe thinking about having a baby or maybe it's not working for them and they know that there's like something different, but they're not sure, they feel really stuck and they're not sure where to go or, or what to do to do next. Is that something really common that you see with all the women that you work with? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And no. I mean, I get so many different people coming with me from different walks of life and different parts of their reproductive uh, life. So, but one thing that's definitely is the same is just the lack of education that we have about our own bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's starting just to build that connection through, through fertility awareness. Yeah. And you use all paper, don't you? You, yeah, so I teach, I'm a Justice holistic reproductive health practitioner. So when you were talking about like the umbrellas of fertility awareness-based method, there are a lot. So there are a lot of different kinds. Um, I teach the Justice method, which is the symptothermal method. And that means that we cover both cervical mucus and basal body temperature. And then I also cover cervical position in my programs. And with the Justice method, it's super comprehensive with cervical mucus. So the notations that we use, and it's like learning a whole new language. So I always recommend people starting on paper so they can learn the notations first. And then, so they can also um, know how to interpret their own cycle themselves. And then once they know how to do that, then they can use an app to put their information down, but they're not relying on the app to tell them when they're fertile or to interpret their cycle for them. They already do that themselves. So yeah, we, I have the justice charts that I send out to all my clients. And I, even on my Instagram, you can, I have a link to a free printable chart that you can, you can print out. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, I'll put the I'll put the link that yeah, I've been in and I've had a had a look at it, but there's something really beautiful like I love tracking my training in a notebook. Like actually physically having it and writing it down for me there is like more of a connection there. I get to note down like whatever, you know, I notice. Um yeah, and it's less I find that you know, if I use my phone, it's like almost like a little bit intrusive or there's like a disconnection piece, a distraction piece there. Whereas if I've gone to like paper and, and this is what I love about this practice. It's like, it's so like, like physical, do you know what I mean? You're touching yourself and your body and you're taking your temperature and the, and you're writing it down on, on paper and comes back to this like body literacy and this connection piece. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So for women out there that are interested in it and maybe want to start doing some things, should they start just with the toilet paper? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, even just paying it, even just writing down when you, when you have your period. Um, like I remember even when I, before I was practicing fertility awareness, you go to the doctor and they'd ask you when your last period was. And you were like, um, you know, now again, you ask me, you know, what cycle day I'm on and I can tell you, right. But um, yeah, so just writing down whether, whether it's in a calendar that you have, you know, in your kitchen, or if it's a day planner that you use, just starting by jotting this information down, right. It can be as simple as that. And then even when you start, when you do notice something on, like I have a whole, a whole dance song and dance for checking your cervical mucus. But if, even if you just notice, oh, there's something there. And then you write that down. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of the noticing. Right. And one thing that um, I tell every person I begin to work with uh, that I think many of us struggle is that when you first start becoming fertility aware, try and leave the judgments out. So don't judge what you see. Don't, Don't try and even interpreting what you see. Just start by being curious. Hmm. Today I saw this today. I felt this, right. Whether it's, you saw cervical mucus or you felt an increase in your energy, or if you felt some breast tenderness, just start noticing with curiosity Mm -hmm. because we, especially now with, you know, social media and Instagram and blog posts, you see, we see all of these things that we think it should be like the kind of cervical mucus you should be seeing, or the cycle length you should be having, or, you know, the temperature shift, you should be seeing and there's a lot of shoulds out there and I don't want people to start with that I want people to again that big red rule what is happening with you right now what is your truth in this moment um and actually I was just on a cervical mucus call a couple of weeks ago with one of the educators in Israel actually who has a fertility awareness program and if you've ever taken the the Pasana meditation course You've ever heard of it? Yeah. I've done, a f- I've done a few now. And she was the first person to actually make that connection between Vipassana and cycle charting. And it's this whole idea that you see things as they really are and not as what you want them to be and, or what you think they should be. And yeah. I was just like jumping out of my chair. Yes, yes, yes. That's what charting is, right? It's paying attention to how things are right now. What is your truth in the moment? And if you start noticing, and it's the pattern that we're looking for. So I always want to remind people this as well, that if something shows up once in your chart, you know, you get, you have a chart that's anovulatory and you don't get a shift, or you have a chart with some weird mid-spotting bleeding, or 
you have one chart with some crappy period pain. Like it's okay if it's just once, but if it's this pattern that's happening over and over again, that's what we're looking for. And if it is true for you in this moment, right? In this year that you're experiencing this pattern, then fantastic. Now you, it's the invitation to address it. And there's nothing wrong with you. Your cycle is not broken. It's simply the messenger, right? It's revealing what might be amiss. It's, you know, revealing what requires your attention. And could you imagine how amazing that would be if you'd been paying attention since you were like 13? So bloody amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I often think like, what would it have been like if we, this concept was taught in like body literacy was taught in school? Like, what does it mean? How are all the ways that we could connect to our body? You know, it's not just training, but it's an actual lever to like learn about yourself, learn about the physical. It's an experience, you know, it's not always just like the outcome or where we want to go. It's, um, yeah, all of these, these pieces uh, in between, which are, it, it's so super cool. And like mm. you said, you, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many yeah. different pieces. And I think this is like where sometimes people feel stuck because they're looking for this like right way or the right way to do it. And, and what's the right like sign or, or, you know, symptom and there is no right way. And I often tell women that with like training, you know, there's no right way. It's just what way works for you right now and everything's impermanent and and everything changes. And so we just need to continue. And that's why it's, like you said, it's a practice. You're 33, but you'll do this practice forever because (laughs) it's always changing. And then with that information, you can then pull in strategies to maybe support whatever you're finding, which Mm -hmm. is because, you know, what we can't support or, you know, we can't put in these strategies with what we don't understand and what we don't know. And that's all we're doing. We're just like understanding. And then from then, you know, we can start to, to put in strategies that maybe can support us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love for you to uh, talk about how the, um, the cervix, cervix portrait parties came to, Yeah, I love telling that story. Uh, So I had been, you know, having a fertility awareness practice for the past nine years or so. Um, I guess this is a couple years ago now, but anyway, many, many years, many, many moons. And so I was well aware of my cervix and my cervical mucus patterns. And, and I, you know, I had a practice of touching my cervix on a daily basis. And, and so I had that going for me. And I have um, my best friend, I call her my partner in menstruality. We had this thing, this was of course pre-COVID when we could travel, that whenever one of us would go away on a trip, when we'd come back, we would meet at our local STI clinic just to like get a checkup. I don't know, it was something we loved to do together. We loved to go get um, you know, our STI checkup together as soon as we'd come back from a trip. So it was, I had just come back from living abroad actually in Mexico and we, we met at the SDI clinic and the nurse who was doing my checkup, uh, she was doing a, a pap so she, or a pelvic exam. So she had the speculum inserted and I was telling her all about me and how I was a fertility awareness educator and about the menstrual cycle. And so while she had the speculum inserted, she said, well, have you ever seen your cervix? And I thought, oh my gosh, no. And think about it. how many people have seen 
and interacted with my cervix, whether they're my partners or my doctors or nurse practitioners. And I had never seen my own cervix. And so, so easy. So I said, yeah, of course I want to see it. And so she held up a hand mirror and asked me to lean forward, which was hilarious because, you know, when you, if you, I don't know if you have this similar experience, but when you have a speculum in, it's like, you're like a statue. You're like, oh my God, don't break me. Don't break me. (laughs) Right. And so I was so surprised to see how like pain-free it could be to have a speculum in and to be moving around. So I sat up, I looked at the hand mirror and oh my goodness, I cried. It was so beautiful. I saw this like wet, pink, little gorgeous donut for the very first time. And I thought I need to give this experience to more people. So that's how the cervix portrait party was born. And I discovered Onel and the beautiful cervix.com, the beautiful cervix project. And I, I was actually, I had a client who was working at a clinic and I had brought it up to her and she said, oh, we have some spare speculums if you want. And I said, yes. <laughs> so she gave me some speculums and I think, I believe she gave me five. So I saved one for myself and I just went on Instagram and I said, who wants to see their cervix? And I found four other women, one of whom I'd never even seen before who came um, over and we did a two hour workshop and I talked about the cervix and we, you know, I showed, demonstrated how to do a self cervical exam with a speculum and yeah, using a camera, I went and took photos of everyone, but even funnier is I had to practice right before I was going to get a bunch of people with cervixes, you know, in a room together. So I had to practice, but I didn't want to ruin the experience for my best friend. So I didn't want to practice with her because she was going to be there. So I asked my mom, (laughs) so I'm at my mom's house and I insert my speculum and I ask her to help me take a photo. And my poor mother, she's just, oh, she's just the best. She supports me no matter what crazy endeavor I'm up to. But uh, she took the picture and she was just like mortified. I'm like, you ruined my chi, mom. This is a, this is a sacred, <laughs> this is a special thing. But uh, she looked at it and she saw the, the Oz, the hole. And she said, oh my gosh, is that where the baby comes from? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So that's how I have my very first picture taken. It's actually the picture that you'll see over and over and over on my Instagram is the one that my mom took for me. And now oh. since then, I have taken so many um, photos of people's cervixes for them. And now that the, now that the um, pandemic is here and we can't do it in person, I'm doing it online, which is going to be a whole other adventure. I'm doing it for the first time at the end of March. And I'm super nervous because, you know, online, it's just, there's a different it's different, right? And yeah. so I'm excited to offer it to more people and I'm excited for its accessibility for sure. But I'm also yeah. super nervous. But yeah, I'm excited. So I'm excited to for other people to see their cervix. And like I said already, you know, I've had so many people who say, um, why? Like, why would you do that? And I don't even answer. Like, if you don't get it, then you don't get it. And it's hilarious. I have this cousin who is a doctor <laughs> And it's funny because it was actually him and his wife who introduced me to fertility awareness in the first place. And so now I'm here, you know, doing these service portrait parties. And he said to me, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why, why are you doing that? And I'm like, because it's cool. And he said, it's like, it's like, you know, taking a picture of your colon. Who wants that? I'm like me, what? Yeah. You could do that? <laughs> oh, it's just, you know, the people, the people, you know, the people who want it, yeah, it's ready. And it's, it's a magical thing to, to see 
and experience your cervix, I think in this way. And yeah, I love the cervix. It is a cool party. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally. like one of the coolest party ideas I've ever heard of. When I first saw your first saw it like a long time ago, I was like, that is like the coolest party, like to connect to, you know, yourself and mm-hmm. the people in the room. And yeah. <laughs> so I love seeing it when it, when it pops up and what are some of the things that the women have shared after the experience that. Yeah. For my very first party, I'll never forget. Um, one of the women who was actually pregnant, she had, and she had with checkups and whatnot, she had had, um, had to have doctors insert speculums many times in the past. And she said to me, wow, I didn't know it wasn't supposed to hurt. And that for me was one, it was a big one because the speculum itself is kind of, it kind of has some, you know, it separates some people about whether they think it's a powerful tool, tool or not. And I just really loved to hear that feedback because it's true. You know, like when you, when you insert the speculum and you see your cervix, like it's, or even if you have a doctor who's inserting the speculum for like a routine checkup or something, like it's not supposed to hurt. Yeah. Uh, And so just even taking back that body, that body autonomy and that, yeah, that in control of your experience that way. Um, What else? Oh, just, you know what my favorite, my favorite, so how it works is I'll demonstrate first. So I'll demonstrate how to do it. So everyone watches me and then everyone gets their own speculum and kind of gives themselves a little bit space. So it's, it would be cool to think of us all in a circle with our like legs wide open and knees touching, but no, like that's not how it works. So everyone kind of has their own, their own space, but we're all in one room. So we're all together, but in our own space. And I, I encourage people to wear a dress or a skirt so that you don't have to take off a lot of clothing. So there's not, not a lot of like, there's not a lot of nudity. There's not a lot of flashing going on. You can't, you know, see everyone's vulva. Um, but when everyone goes off to their own little space and they insert their speculum and just that sound that, oh my goodness, or, oh, or, whoa, like I never, I never get sick of hearing that. Yeah, that first moment where they they do that themselves and then they get to see this. Yeah. yeah. So it involves a mirror. So what I would bring is I have these little mirrors that, you know, just stand up on themselves, like the little vanity table mirrors. And so there's a little mirror and you need a little flashlight. And so once you've inserted the speculum, you can just press, put the flashlight into your vagina and you'll see in the mirror your cervix. And so it's great because the first time they see it, it's like... I'm not even there. Like I'm not hovering over. It's, it's, it's an experience you have with yourself and it's remarkable. And then when you're ready, um, I, uh, I will, co- I come and take a photo for you. Oh, Chloe. So it's so super cool. And you're running them online in March. Yeah. So I just, I went on Instagram and I said, Hey, who's interested? And I had 50 people respond. And so I thought, Oh my goodness. I can't, like, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be on Zoom with 50 people all trying to see their spec, all trying, because there's questions, right? Not yeah, every, yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't always, it's not, it doesn't always happen the first time. So the first time you insert it, sometimes you need, you know, Chloe, help me. So I couldn't imagine trying to guide 50 people on Zoom how to see their cervix. So I capped it at 10 people. So I offered three parties in March at 10 people per party. So that to give me some practice, um, 
just facilitating this online. Yeah. Yeah. And what a different experience it will be for you even Mm -hmm. just (laughs) on, on, on Zoom, Zoom, Zoom cervix uh, portrait parties. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Very cool, Chloe. Um, I, I just, you are like the, the energy that comes across in your work and your, your passion. And it's so infectious, you know, that talking about you just, it's, you make it sound so cool and fun and, you know, to, to, to have this party and and look at your cervix, it's like, you want to do it because Mm. of like the energy that you, you bring to your work and what you do. And I, I just, I'm so grateful for you, for your time today and, and for the work that you do creating, you know, pushing back against this taboo and creating the conversation and, and giving all these women, you know, these tools that they can use to, build trust with their bodies and be more connected. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Like this, like I said, this is my passion and my profession. So I eat, sleep and breathe all of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. But you also love to dance. Yes. Yes. Which I wanted to talk about quickly. You love salsa dancing. Yeah. I love all dancing. Yeah. Um, I was born into a family of women who love dancing. So we all dance and my grandmother talks about the days when she would dance on the tables and she was always the life of the party. And growing up, I remember going to grandma's house and she always had the polka music on. And then my mother, it was both my parents were um, party animals who loved the music and the ACDC and John Mellencamp's dance naked. And I remember I still to this day remember dancing naked like in my diaper to that song. And so I just, I love, love to dance. Yeah. And then it was uh, a cousin of mine actually who introduced me to salsa dancing and Latin dancing. So then I started going salsa dancing and then you pick up, you know, bachata and, and now there's kazomba and zook and I love it all. But um, my partner is Colombian and he is, a professional dancer and he now teaches here in Edmonton where I live and so there's a lot, lot of Latin influence in my life but for sure but sometimes always trying to like pull him over to the the Zouk Kazomba like ecstatic dance as well um actually here in Edmonton Alberta where I'm from right before the last party I got to attend which was on March 13th so almost a year today was a fusion dance party so I really love fusion dancing as well Oh, how do you feel when you dance? It, it is probably the easiest way for me to be in the moment. And that's why I love dancing because, you know, especially being an entrepreneur and, you know, somebody who's always on and always working and I'm always thinking about the next Instagram post I need to make, or I'm always thinking about the next program I have to offer, or I'm always thinking about, you know, the next dinner I have to make or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When I dance, you know, that is, that takes me into the present and right into my body. And I think it was probably my first body literacy practice was dancing. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love to dance. But interestingly enough, bringing it back to our menstrual cycle conversation, one thing that I've noticed about myself is the way I dance changes throughout my cycle. Mm-hmm. 
So when I'm in my ovulatory phase, I'm like magnetic and electric and on fire. And then in my luteal phase, I'm tripping all over myself and I'm stumbling and I'm laughing a lot. <laughs> yeah. And in my menstrual phase, sometimes that's, that's my solo dancing. That's when I like to dance by myself. Whereas in other parts of my cycle, I love to, like, I love, love, love partner dancing. So I love it. I love dancing with other people. Um, and even like with fusion dancing, you could dance with multiple people. It doesn't even have to be, to, you know, just you and one other person. But my menstrual phase is kind of saved for some more solo practice. Yeah, it's super cool when you start to notice, mm-hmm. like notice those patterns. Uh, and I'll often say to the women that I work with, just because you're in a certain phase, don't assume that's how you feel. You need to just track and be aware and be open and be curious. And from that, you might see patterns that come up. But, you know, if you can have this practice that, you know, brings joy and connection to your body, and then over time through tracking your cycle, you'll just notice things. But just because you're in a certain phase doesn't mean that, you know, you don't train or you don't move or you don't do this certain thing. You know, all of us have learned this stuff about our cycle just from paying attention and from noticing and from tracking. We didn't do it just because the research said that, you know, at this time you will feel this. <laughs> it's Absolutely. yeah. I feel the same with my hand balancing. Like I'm really into hand balancing right now and I'll notice, I've just noticed patterns, you know, that it's in that last luteal phase in that last week or so, it's a little hard to just connect all the pieces, mm. you know, my breath, my tension, my line, But I didn't go into the practice assuming that that's how I was going to feel just because I was in my luteal phase. It's just that from I noticed, you know, from doing it for four or five, six months, I just started to notice these patterns in my training. Uh, And that's, I think, bringing it all all the way back to the start is just start noticing. But to notice, yeah, nothing, nothing. What you notice in your luteal phase last cycle doesn't necessarily mean that's how it's going to be in the future. And it's one of my biggest pet peeves that when I, when I'll say to someone like, Oh, I don't do this, or I always do this, you know, in this certain phase. And then that comes and then they kind of call me out on it. And they'll be like, well, I thought you said that only this happens. And I said, uh, 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 like, don't box me up. Right. So I, um, yeah, I, it's very fluid and, and change, change, is the the main principle in a fertility awareness practice and even being in a body that cycles we are not the same and not even like the same from luteal phase to luteal phase yeah right we're not the same and so that's why it is a constant practice of noticing you can't just do you can't like pay attention to one cycle, write a blueprint or a red print, if you will, and then use it for the rest of your reproductive years, right? It's not how it works. Yeah. (laughs) And I find that's what we, we find the hardest is this, this impermanence, this idea of change. Like we, there is such a resistance and attention around that, that we really just want that red print or that blue print. And um, it's the same with food and training. Like everything's impermanent. You know, what worked for you today may not work for you tomorrow or in a month or in a year's time. It's the same with the cycle. What you learned today, you know, is going to be different tomorrow or next cycle or in a year's time. And that we have to be 
we have to be okay with that. You know, this practice teaches you that the impermanence of everything and the ability to be able to notice and read and understand the body and then like navigate and yeah, from, from that noticing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Chloe, thank you so much. Can you just tell people where they can find you connect with your work? Yeah, absolutely. So it's super easy because I'm the only Chloe Skirlock in the whole world and yeah. everything is just my name. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Whether it's, um, you know, my website, um, my Facebook or my Instagram, which is where I love to play the most. You just have to search Chloe Skirlock. So C-H-L-O-E and Skirlock is S-K-E-R-L-A-K. So beautiful. Come on over and share pictures of your cervix. Yeah, come on <laughs> over. Cervix portrait parties. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and today, just start by writing the day. Start mm-hmm. noticing and start with your toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Mm, start noticing. I love that. Let's start noticing. Okay, beautiful, Chloe. I want to thank you. Thank you for coming on for sharing your knowledge, your story, your work. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for making the opportunity for me to do this. Yeah, it's super important. It's an important conversation. And I believe it's really important in helping us build trust with our bodies and coming back home (laughs) into them. (laughs) Thanks, Chloe. Thank you. You can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Bye for now. Hey, warrior woman, I've created something very cool. Warrior school. Do you feel like you can't get the results that you want in your training? You don't know how to eat to support your training and cycle. And do those irregular or painful cycles actually stop you from training? I've worked with hundreds of women and have had thousands of conversations and most have struggled with at least one of these things, some or three, for years, sometimes even decades. Warrior School was birthed from what I have learned and experienced myself over the last 13 years about training, food and the menstrual cycle. It's an individual coaching program and online community for women who want to get strong and learn how to train with their cycles. So if you're feeling lost and disconnected from your body, if you're feeling tired and confused, and you feel like you don't have a good understanding in how to train for you, I'm here to tell you that there's something you can do about it. Warrior School teaches you how to train smart to get results. You will learn to understand what works for you and it will feel really bloody good to train. I will also teach you how to eat to support your metabolism, training and cycle. Join this community of women who lift weights, track their cycles and train with them.